The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 132. Yi Wu, a small city in China, is responsible for making over 60% of the entire world's Christmas decorations. Everything from tinsel to plastic mistletoe. I guess we found the real North Pole. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a Philly girl in name only, but a New Hampshire girl at heart, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hey, Heth. Hi, everyone, and I hope that you had a really Merry Christmas. And today we are actually recording this from your quote unquote home state. Yes, I was born in New Hampshire and a lot of my family still lives there. So Travis and myself and my sister all drove up to New Hampshire yesterday. So we're just hanging out, having fun. New Hampshire, the Granite State. Is that right? The Granite State. I've been up here enough times to (laughs) know that. Live free or die. Live free or die (laughs) up here in New Hampshire. And today's episode is sponsored by our awesome friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. It's actually perfect because today's episode, we're going to be giving you tips and tricks that we've learned over the years for planning a trip, for how to successfully plan a trip, how much you should plan, how much you should let be free flowing. And one of the one things that we have learned over these years is that if you pack in a carry-on, things are much, much easier. And as you guys Traveling know... Traveling light is a good way to go. Yeah, it's a great way to go. As you guys know, I've been using my Tortuga all over the world, whether it's New Hampshire or whether it's New Caledonia, which we actually haven't been to yet. <laughs> all over the world, though. And it's been awesome. And it's only a carry-on. And we absolutely love traveling with only a carry-on. I highly recommend the Tortuga. So if you guys are interested in getting a new backpack or even checking out what the Tortuga's like, you can go to tortugabackpack.com. And of course, if you are going to get one, make sure you enter the code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capitals. That will give you guys a 10% discount on all your orders, whether you buy one Tortuga bag, five Tortuga bags, and they actually have a new Tortuga Air backpack out as well. So you're going to want to check that out. a little bit smaller than the carry-on size? Yeah, it's obviously still carry-on size. It's smaller than the regular size. It's more for weekend or shorter trips, things like that. And that's some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today in in this pre-trip planning episode because it's going to be different. You're planning for a super long trip versus a short trip. Yeah. And also dependent on the weather because we're only up in New Hampshire for a few days, but I don't think you could have fit all of your warm weather clothes or cold weather clothes to keep you warm in an air. Right. And like, so. and, and as we mentioned, guys, we're going to be actually talking about planning your trip and your itinerary. If you're interested in the logistical nature of planning a trip, we did a podcast on that called our pre-travel checklist. And on that, we hit on everything from 
Um, Health insurance, visas, passports. Yeah, calling your bank, how to put your mail on hold, all the logistical stuff that if you're going on a trip, you have to figure out. And today's episode is kind of the fun stuff, I guess, the actual delving into researching where you're going, yeah, how getting to pick excited where you're going. about what you're going to be doing and what you're going to be seeing on a trip. Yeah, and some people are super organized and scheduled on their trips. We've traveled with some of those, <coughs> Maria, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's down to like every 15 minutes is broken up of now we got to go here. Now we got to go here. Now we got to go here. Other people are completely fly by the seat of their pants. And we understand that your personality is going to play a role in your in how you plan and how much you plan and how organized you are. And it's no one size fits all. But what we're going to do today is kind of give you the strategy that's worked for us, because we found over the last four years that we've taken some liberty some places and we've become more organized other places and we're going to give you our strategies. We're going to hit on five major topics, I guess, or five major parts of planning a trip. So number one is going to be picking the destination, how you actually go about doing that. Number two, researching that destination. Yeah. And how much of that you should do ahead of time. Number three is going to be planning the actual itinerary when you're there. How many days should you be doing this and that? Number four is going to be Booking accommodations, making sure that you have a nice, comfortable place to stay. Yeah, as long as, as well as booking tours. And then the last part is going to be on the ground research. How much stuff do we actually do when we get there as opposed to how much we plan ahead of time? So let's get right into it. We're going to talk about first picking a destination. And this sounds, it's going to sound funny to some people because a lot of you guys may be listening and you think, well, I already know exactly where I'm going. But some travelers like ourselves, we don't always know where we're going to be going next. It's kind of a roulette wheel, right? I mean, case in point, we left for Southeast Asia. Well, first we went to Italy, but we left for that trip in October, October 15th. And we were in Italy for two weeks. And then we went over to Southeast Asia. We had no idea what our itinerary was going to be. None. This was the least planned as far as as picking a destination that we've ever been. We arrived in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and we're going to talk about why we were there and how that played a role into it a little later, but we arrived there and we had no idea if we were going to stay in Chiang Mai for two days. We, we originally thought a week, we ended up staying there a month, then we went down to Bali. So it was completely thrown together. Yeah. And then we decided to come home for the holidays. If you've listened to the other podcasts, you heard us talking about that. So here we are in America. And then we had to plan out how we're going to get back over to Asia because we have a wedding in March. So then we just randomly booked a ticket home to Philadelphia and then over to Turkey and then back to Asia. So sometimes when you don't plan things out by day or by week, you can figure it out. Figure out interesting you figure it out as you do. go. And so if we talk about picking a destination, if you're someone who doesn't know where you want to go next or you just want to go, this is more us. It's not that we don't know where we want to go. It's that we want to go to so many places that it's hard to whittle it down. So we're going to give you some advice on how to pick a destination, things to consider if you're not really beholden to one spot. And the first thing to consider, obviously, is what's been on your wish list and why? What are the places that you've always thought you wanted to go to? Because even people who want to go all over the world like us, you kind of have a list in your head of of where you want to go. So what's a way that people can kind of figure out you know, where they should go or what's a place that they, they might want to go to next? Well, I think for most people, they have more than one country on their their wish list. So you can think about 
what activities you feel like doing. You know, do you feel like being in a, in a city? Do you feel like looking at a bunch of cathedrals or do you feel like checking out a temple because one's in Asia and one's in Europe? So you kind of have to figure out what vibe you're feeling for this vacation or this trip. Yeah, if you're someone who loves the great outdoors and you want to go hiking, you know, staying in a city for two weeks, like going to New York City or London, that might not do it for you. So you want to figure out what activities you like and then start looking at the areas that are good for those activities. And that's somewhat common sense, although you can easily kind of figure out, hey, where you could type yeah. in Google, I best mean, places for scuba diving. Boom, you're going to find a thousands lot of, of places. Lists. So for some people, it can be very overwhelming of where you're going to choose to go, which leads us to a really practical step. The cost of getting How there. How much does it cost? That's always a big thing to consider when you're picking a destination. There's going to be places that are much more, twice as expensive, three times as expensive as going somewhere else, depending on where you live, where you're flying to, what, what time, time of, of year. year, all that type of stuff. A really neat thing that I just found about a month ago, and I want to write a post on this and kind of break it down, but it, it's really simple. I don't even know if I have to write a post. So if you're listening to this, check this out. It's called Google Flights Explorer. And if you type in Google Flights Explorer, that'll come up. And what you can do is you can put in where you're leaving from, and it could be anywhere on the East Coast of the US, or it could be it could be anywhere, or it could be a specific city, or it could be a region. So for us, we would put in, we're leaving from Philadelphia, and then where you want to go, you can put in a region. So I could put in Southeast Asia, I could put in Asia, I could put in Europe, I could put yeah. anywhere. I mean, you actually just showed me this function on Google before this podcast when we were talking about planning a destination. And I, it's so cool. It's very easy to use. It's just all, I mean, everybody loves Google for the reason that it's easy to use and it's a search engine. So it makes sense that eventually they would branch out into... It's so cool. So we yeah. put in Philadelphia and we put in Southeast Asia and then it just comes up with all like a this... Graph. A graph. It comes up with the cities in order of cheapest to most expensive and it'll show you how much it costs. So the cheapest one was flying into Ho Chi Minh, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. It was, you know, the cheapest day was $760 from Philadelphia. And it actually, next to Ho Chi Minh, it'll show you day by day how expensive it is to find there. So one day it might be 761 the next day it might be 1200 and it'll just rank all the cities in that area. So it's yeah. a really cool way if you just want to get to a region, you don't know specifically where you want to go to find the cheapest flights. Right. And it's really cool, even if you're not a travel nerd like Travis or maybe myself, is it's a really cool function. Yeah. Also, one other thing I want to mention, cost of getting there. If you, again, don't really care where you're going or you're open to a lot of places, you can follow The Flight Deal, which is an awesome website, theflightdeal.com. You can follow them on Twitter. I mention them all the time. They're at The Flight Deal. They post every day 10 different good deals from U.S. cities to other U.S. cities or U.S. cities to international. So if you snag one of those good deals, if you say, I don't care where I'm going, and they put up a really great deal for Moscow, well, then you can just snag one of them and go. So that's a really another thing to consider. The next thing as far as cost, the cost of getting there and then... The cost of actually being there in that city or in that country. Yeah. Believe it or not, not all places in the world cost the same amount to go to. And you know, if you travel some, you know that, but there's a lot of people we talk to who just assume that because we, we say we travel and they always say, well, you must be rich because you travel. Well, if we're traveling to Thailand, it's going to be a lot cheaper than if we're spending our days in Paris. Right. And the thing is, when some people travel and they only take one vacation or two vacations a year, maybe 
their cost of travel is the same everywhere because if they go to a, a place that's cheaper like the Caribbean or Thailand, they're spending a lot more on a more luxurious accommodation. But for us, if we're going somewhere cheaper and we can find an acceptable accommodation, we're usually spending only $30 a night. Even though we could maybe afford to spend 150 and stay at like a four-star or five-star resort, we just don't because then it gives us more opportunity. To right, and we can travel longer and built into that is the price of getting around those cities or areas, you know, the price of food. You can eat a meal in Thailand, as we've mentioned before, for a dollar or two, where in Paris you can't even touch a, a crappy Parisian lunch for less than 15 euros. Unless you're <laughs> but getting, you can buy a baguette you, for maybe like a euro 50. <laughs> yeah, you can buy cheaper stuff, but it's hard to eat out. So, you know, consider the cost of being there. How long going? How much of a budget do you have? We've done podcast on is Thailand that cheap? Is Bali that cheap? So if you're interested in finding out about those specific places, check out those. We break it down very specifically in how much it costs to eat, how much our accommodations are, things like that. And the last kind of thing to consider when you're picking a destination, as Heather already alluded to. Well, this may seem obvious, but we're talking about the weather and the climate of the area. And believe it or not, Travis and I just made this mistake. Yes, we did. We, well, I wouldn't say... All right, we both made it. I won't throw you under the bus. <laughs> you can throw I, me under the bus. I allowed Heather to pick where we were going to stop over because you're using United Miles. So we could stop anywhere basically in the world on the way back to Southeast Asia. So we knew when we came home for Christmas, we were going to be going back to Southeast Asia. Where did we want to stop? Heather narrowed it down. Well, we narrowed it down to two places, right. Morocco and- or Turkey. And Morocco is like my top destination to go to. I've been dying to go there. Unfortunately, the flights just were terrible getting in and like getting to Morocco wasn't so bad, but then getting from Morocco to Burma was going to take like 45 hours. So, so we we're like, that. eh, forget it. So I'm like, well, Turkey is, you know, not near Morocco, but I thought it was on like a similar line of latitude because I had looked up the weather for Morocco and I know that it's in the desert, but you know, it said 65 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit as an average in January. So when I said, well, let's just do Turkey because the flights are better, you know, I assumed it would be, you know, maybe 60 or something similar. We I, assumed it would be more mild. That it, Yeah, that, yes, it would be that it would be fairly warm, Mediterranean. I, I don't know. 55 at the lowest. Well, right. then no. we Google like weather we, in Istanbul in January. But this was after we purchased After we booked the tickets. <laughs> and we see that it's between 40 and 48. Yeah. If we're lucky, 48. So, you know, you want to be aware of the weather and climate. At least we Googled it before we started packing and got there. True. But be aware of the weather and climate. Another thing that we've heard people make this mistake, we haven't done it yet, is forgetting about hemispheres, the north and south. So people will be like, oh, it's January. Um, I'm going to go to Brazil. It's going to be very cold. Or I'm going to go to Australia. It's going to be very cold because it's winter. Whoops. Nope. It's actually summer there. So remember that the seasons are flipped. These are basic things, but we've seen like seasoned travelers make this mistake before because you just kind of forget or you get lackadaisical. Right. And when actually another quick story, when we were thinking about going to Brazil for the World Cup, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm not really a huge soccer football fan, so I'll just hang out on the beach the whole time. But the World Cup was in June and July, which is basically winter (laughs) in Brazil. So it wasn't going to snow, but it wasn't also, it wasn't exactly Heather thought she'd be laying on the beach, like getting super tan, which she probably still could have done. It just would have been a little colder. So So once you pick your, so that's picking your destination. Again, some of you may have already picked a destination. You already know where you want to go. But if you travel more, you start to realize you're full of wanderlust. 
it, it gets harder to narrow down where you want to go. So those are some things to look at. Once you pick your destination, the second part of that is researching your destination. And this is where we're going to get into a little bit of our opinion, and it is just an opinion, of how much you should research ahead of time and how much you should leave to when you get there. And it is going to differ for each people. And people always ask us, well, do you know everything about the country before you go there? And our answer is, no, we don't. And we like it that way. But we do do some research. I would say, Heath, we do kind of a broad general research of an area or a city, because even if we know a little bit about it, we want to delve, we want to get the lay of the land before right. we go. I mean, for example, we're going to Turkey on January 16th. I've already researched like a couple of the main areas. We're going to do Istanbul, Cappadocia, things like that. But already people are asking us like, oh, where are you staying? Like, what kind of accommodations are you going to have? And we haven't even planned that at all yet. <laughs> or people have been to Turkey are saying, are you doing this, 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 and this? And we're like, well, I didn't know that existed. And naivety is kind of the way we are. I mean, it's hard to know when you go to a bunch of countries everything about those countries. You know, we're not scholars on Turkey and Burma and, and these few places right. that we're going next, but we do like to brush up before we go and some of the ways that we do that. What are some of the ways we do research before we head out? Uh, well, we usually use wiki travel. We really I love like wiki that. travel. Yeah, it's travel. so easy. It just gives you a great little overview. Yeah. I mean, Travis always uses wiki travel. My favorite thing is just to use Google. I Google top 10 things to do in a certain area. We also have like our own EPOP travel guides. Of yeah. course, we don't have one for Turkey yet since we haven't been there. But for a lot of other countries, we have those up on the site. Yeah. Two of the things that we're going to be doing a major thing, this is giving you a little bit of sneak peek in EPOP 2015, Ooh. but two of our main projects. One is to really fill out the EPOP travel guides. We, we haven't even announced it to people that they're up, although there's a few up. And those are just basically wiki travel of a destination that we've already been to. So Paris will give you the places that we ate, that we liked. We'll tell you where we stayed. It's obviously not going to be super comprehensive because we have had to have gone there ourselves. So it's very personal recommendations. We've, we've always loved getting personal recommendations from people who have been there. So that's kind of our thing for 2015 is to give make these travel guides up of the places that we've been. So when you ask us, hey, I'm going to Paris. Where'd you eat? Where'd you stay? What'd you like? We could say, boom, here's our EPOP yeah, travel guide for Paris. Because we get that a lot through emails and then we're having to write all these individual emails. And we thought, why not make a spot for this on the yeah. website? And the second big thing, which is a little more time intensive, but a really cool project that we've already started this past year and haven't told anyone about. And that is our top 10 under two videos. And what we've been doing as we go around to different regions and areas, we did one in China, we did one in Portland, Oregon. We've done about seven now. And it is a two minute video of us doing the top 10 things to do in that city or region. And we're going to be putting a lot of those out. We're getting them edited professionally now. They're going to be some really cool travel videos. They're going to be under two minutes. Hath, me and you do some goofy things in them. Well, you do some goofy All right. Things. But we try to have fun <laughs> with it, but we're giving you the top 10 things to do in a very quick, concise manner. And then we're going to be giving you more links to obviously delve into that. But for example, a really great one that we did in Paris, you know, we say go to the Louvre. All right, most people know to go to Louvre, but then we tell you, Go around to the side entrance. Oh, you're giving away all of our so that secrets. you don't. Ha I know, so that you don't have to wait in the three hour line, and you can get in really quickly. So that's going to be really neat. So we're doing top ten things to do in different areas that we travel. That's going to be a video series. I hope you guys like that. So that's how we research the destination ahead of time. We also, if you really want to dive deep, Lonely Planet has a forum called the Thorn Tree. And so if you're going to an area, and someone asked me this the other day, 
what driver did you use when you went to India? And we had a driver. I could have given him the recommendation, except our driver was just okay. So I said, well, they're all right, but I wouldn't really recommend it. It wasn't a great experience. Not like we had an awesome driver like we did when we were in Siem Reap, Cambodia. So what I would suggest you do is go to Lonely Planet's Thorn Tree, and it's a forum, and you can put in the question, what driver should I use when I go to India? And people are super responsive and will give you awesome advice there. So if you really want to dive a little deeper before you go to a place, check out Lonely Planet's Thorn Tree. And then one of the last things we do is a lot of on-the-ground research, but we'll talk more about that Yeah, later. that's going to be its own separate category is the on-the-ground research. So that's the kind of research that we do on a destination before we go. Wiki travel, you know, we use Google a lot, all the basic things. We're going to have EPOP travel guides for you, and we're going to have the, the video series coming for you soon too. But that's so you can get a broad overview. The next part then of planning a trip is actually fleshing out and planning your ideas itinerary. And we do a few things with actually planning our itinerary before we go to a place. Yeah, I mean, we like to remain flexible, but a lot of times we'll plan our itinerary around a certain event. For example, the whole reason that we wanted to go to Thailand this past November was because I wanted to really see this Lantern Festival. The Yiping Lantern Festival. The Yiping Lantern Festival. And we planned basically our whole trip to Asia around this event. Yeah, we knew it was happening in the beginning of November. So we knew we wanted to go back to Southeast Asia. And so we said, we're going to make sure we're in Chiang Mai at that time. And so that does happen. People plan around a certain event. People want to go to Oktoberfest in Germany. So they'll go in September or the very beginning of October, things like that. So if there is a certain event that you want to go to, you know, that can help you pigeonhole a time, yeah, yeah. narrow down a time to go to that region. Or if, again, you're, you're really flexible and you're just, you don't care where you go, but you know you want to travel for a certain month or two, you can look up. I mean, we've done this. Look up festivals around the world at this time and there'll be sure. thousands yeah. of them, you know, and maybe there's something cool that you didn't know was happening and you think, I'm going to go to this area because they're having this festival or this celebration or this holiday or things yeah, like that. Absolutely. So that's one way to do it. We will say for planning an itinerary, for shorter trips, we definitely plan more. So if we're going somewhere seven to 10 days, maybe two weeks, something like that, and we're going to hit up a bunch of different spots. So a perfect example of this would have been our trip to Italy um, this last, last January. January, so almost a year ago, where we were in Italy for what, had 10 days? 10 days. And we decided that we would plan out the trip a little bit more. And we were also working with an accommodation company. And, you know, so we did Venice for three days. Florence for three days and Rome for three days. And, you know, it was actually just really nice to have a shorter trip like that and just hit the three places that we wanted to see. And it turned out really well. So if you are going on a shorter trip, it is nice to know that each day you kind of know which city you're going to be in and what activities you, you want to hit. Yeah. And all the listeners do. Uh, we know you guys do have different travel styles, different travel schedules. Some of you go for away for a week every year or two weeks every year. Some of you are nomadic and go everywhere whenever you want or whatever. So for the but for the shorter ones, we do like to know basically each day where we're going to be, what city we're going to be. So that Italy version. We know we're in Venice for three days. We know we're in Florence for three days. We know we're in Rome for three days. We had our accommodation set up even before we went. So we like doing that if it's going to be a shorter quick hop trip. But let me say that when we had them done in advance, we're talking like five days in advance, whereas people could... Um, Most people would, would have do them done more, more but... in advance, sure. But we knew where we were going to be, and so the accommodations right. kind of fell into place. Then we don't, though, for the shorter trips, 
always know the activities we're going to be because we're, that we're going to do. do. And we like to have that flexibility. I would say if we could give you a, a specific ratio, and it's not always the same, but we like to have one third of our days have kind of planned activities where we say, okay, well, we know today that we're going to the Coliseum. And then about two thirds of the days, we decide that day what we're going to do. Oh, we saw this cute cafe last night. Why don't we just wander around? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And that plays more into the on the ground research that we'll be talking about. You know, like we wait till we get there and then it's like, well, we have, you know, two out of three days where we have our own plans and we can wander around or do something like that. Yeah, we definitely are not the type of people who like to have everything planned out. So we, you know, before we go, we know Tuesday we're going to the Coliseum, Wednesday we're going to eat at this pizza place, then we're going to follow it by going to see these ruins, then we're going to, you know, the next day we're going to take a train trip here, blah, blah, blah. You know, there are people who like traveling that way and that's totally fine. And if you are really short, and you know, if you have three or four days somewhere, then you might definitely want to do it. But we have found that the flexibility is key for us in having a really good experience. And I think then hath the longer trips are even less planned than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we've mentioned, we really like to have the the flexibility to decide, okay, we're going to go here or do this on a certain day, or we're going to leave entirely and go to a whole new place. So we really enjoy having more flexibility so we don't plan a ton in advance when we're taking a longer trip. And, and we should mention too, you know, we say we have a third of the days are planned and two thirds are kind of these free flowing, let's just, if someone tells us we should do something, let's go do it type thing. Even those one third of the days that are planned, sometimes they're not beforehand. Hey, I know on Tuesday we're going to the Coliseum. It might be we know one day we're going to spend at the Coliseum. We're not sure right, what day that is. Yeah. So it it's almost like we have activities planned that we know are going to take a certain amount of time. It might not be a specific, we know we're going to go on that day. Although I will say, especially in high season, and this is a caveat for the whole podcast, if you're going somewhere that's super touristy or in high season, you are definitely going to want to plan more Book or ahead. you could end up yeah. shooting yourself in the foot. Even like get, getting your tickets in advance online, you know, that's r- really popular in Italy for some of the museums or for the Vatican. You can get your tickets online then you don't have to stand in those huge lines waiting for people to buy tickets. I think Italy is a perfect example, Rome especially of this. You know, we went in January, so we didn't have to plan ahead. We knew we were going to go to the Coliseum. We knew we were going to go to the Vatican on a second day. Oh my gosh, we walked up to the Vatican. There was no line no whatsoever. Line. But it was if, wild. Yeah, but if you're there in July buy your tickets ahead of time online or you're going to spend four hours waiting in line. So if it is high season, we will definitely plan more and we are not even the most planned people in the world, but it it's definitely makes sense. And then the longer trips, like this last one that we had in Southeast Asia, you know, we knew we were going to spend two months in Thailand, probably go down to Bali. It's much less planned. We have tons of flexibility built in even between where we're going to go. You know, we arrived in Chiang Mai. We end up staying there a month. We thought we were going to stay there a week and then move down to the beach. We end up staying there a month. So those are almost completely free-flowing. Right. And then the last thing we really want to mention is that it really depends on the country, how flexible or how much you need to plan ahead. For example, when you're in Europe, you know, you don't need visas to go to other... At least other, if you're American, almost everywhere. Yeah, I mean, throughout the EU, you know, once you land in the European Union, you're set to go to other countries. Not only that, but 
Their mass transit is great. I mean, the Euro rail, the trains within each country, you can just get anywhere pretty last minute, even though it might be more expensive if you wait to the last minute to buy your train ticket. But that being said, it's very easy to get around. However, when we were in China... Right. We went to China for three weeks and we had never been to China before. And, and we wanted to go to some far reaching place of China. We were going to be in Shang- start in Shanghai. We knew we were going to end in Beijing. But in between there, we went down south, almost all the way to Vietnam, to Guilin. We went all the way out to almost to Tibet, um, to, to, Lijiang. to Lijiang and Kuming and Yunnan province. So these are huge, huge distances that we are have travel. And you can do it by train. I mean, it, it, you know, we looked at the one train, it was going to take 45 hours or something crazy. So if you're going to a country that is harder to travel through, I think that's one of the things. Yeah. China, definitely harder to travel through. If Not you as many people speak English in China. You know, in Europe, everyone can speak English. If you're stuck, someone can help you. But in China, you know, we really wanted to have it more planned out because we weren't doing it with a tour. That's one country I would say if you want to do a tour, do a tour in China because it makes it really easy. We didn't have any trouble in China, but we did, again, have to plan a lot of this out in advance. Yeah. So if it's a country that's going to be harder to travel to, if it's one you haven't been to before, we had never been to China, we had been to Europe before. So Europe seems more familiar to us. So we had never been to China. And then we were also traveling long distances because we want to get these far reaching places. So we knew we're going to have to fly in between these places. You know, booking plane tickets ahead of time is one thing that we usually do do. There have been times where we have not done it, but we tend, if we know we're going to have to fly between cities, to at least set that in stone and say, well, we know we're going to spend five days here because we have to catch a flight then to go here. So China, we planned out more. When we get to Southeast Asia, for us now, especially Thailand, we've been through Thailand and Malaysia and Bali now so often that I think... For us, we don't have to plan as much. Now, if someone's new going there, I might say, you might want to plan a little more, but it does lend itself also to this free-flowing, easy-to-get-around... And the vibe in Southeast Asia is really relaxed and chill. And so you kind of get there and you just can feel like all of the tension or whatever just kind of whoosh out of you. So you feel like, all right, you know, let's have like a little bit of a hippie vibe and stay here in Chiang Mai or stay here at the beach. And, you know, we'll get a flight if there's a flight. And if not... We'll stay here longer. So it's like a really different atmosphere than it is in other countries. For sure. And if you're doing a long trip to Southeast Asia, the planning can definitely be minimal, especially because there's always buses going in between these areas. Mm -hmm. Now, they might not be the best experience. We've had really good bus experiences. They're usually not too bad. Yeah, they're not too bad. So if you're fine with, oh, I'll take an overnight bus between Bangkok and the islands, well, then you don't have to plan. I mean, you can show up and get on the bus right then. They're never going to be full. They're always running. So... You know, it it definitely depends on the country how much planning you're going to do. It definitely depends how long you're going to stay, how much planning you're going to do. And we will say that generally, if you plan a little bit, especially if you're in Europe or something like that and you get your train tickets ahead of time, it will be a little cheaper. But then it depends how much flexibility you want versus cost. For us, we tend to value the flexibility a little bit more than the cost. Even though we are pretty frugal, we just like having that built-in flexibility. Yep. So just decide what works for you. The fourth part of planning your trip, kind of the fourth overall general topic here, is booking accommodations and tours. And if you've listened to our podcast, you know there have been times that we have said that we haven't booked any accommodations before we landed somewhere. 
And it's worked out sometimes, and other times it hasn't been yeah, great. But we don't really do that Our anymore. general rule of thumb now, Hath, with booking accommodations is what? To make sure that you have at least one night, the first night you arrive, booked somewhere. Yes. It just, it takes all the stress out of it. We arrived in Bali the first time we went there. We had nothing booked. It was raining. We were taken on the back of a motor scooter all around. We had no clue where to go. This was like three years ago. It, it was bad. It was <laughs> bad. Yeah. And I mean, most people out there probably think we're crazy to not book Everything or at least one night, you know, but there are a lot of other travelers who are laid back and, you know, think, oh, I'll just figure it out when I get there. Our craziness scale is relative to how <laughs> you are and what type yeah. of travel you are. Listen, you might think, of course, I'm going to book accommodations right. ahead of time. Even us nowadays, we say at least book the first the night. The first night. You know, for Europe, generally booking ahead is better. We, you know, if we're going to a place like that, again, with high season, if it's high season, I would book everything yeah, ahead of and time. and I mean, with, with Go With O, with Airbnb, they're huge in Europe. You can find great apartments. You can use your hotel points. That's what we generally do, apartments, hotel points. So you can book those ahead very easily. However, when you're in Southeast Asia, we've mentioned in our How Cheap Is Thailand and How Cheap Is Bali, you can often get a better deal on location, like at the hotel or guest house. Yeah, at Euro, in Europe, we haven't really found that we could negotiate deals at the front desk it's usually kind of a set rate yeah, and they don't have see, as much what you get. yeah and that's probably because there aren't as many family run or locally run guest houses it's more you know even if it's a one-off it has a management team and an owner and they're not usually there whereas when you're in southeast asia i mean you might be talking to the owner so the owner has you know if you're at the front desk you say we want to stay four more days well the owner can set whatever price they want right. so in southeast asia Booking at the desk is much easier, can be cheaper. Europe, not really. So if you're if you are going to Europe, we even generally book most of our accommodation in Europe ahead of time because we like doing apartments and you know, those will fill up kind of quick, especially if you're going to big cities and especially if you're going in high season. So we book accommodations ahead of time for the most part, and most people generally will, with the caveat that Southeast Asia is you can get some good deals if you don't book ahead of time. Right. If you're in that hippie vibe that Heather mentioned, you're just <laughs> rocking up. Roll on up. Hey, you guys have a place to stay? Yeah, well, how good can I get the deal? Da, 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 da. As far as booking tours and activities, we don't usually do that ahead of time. No, not usually. I mean, a lot of times we'll do the free walking tours, like in Europe, the Sandman tours. We really like... We should mention, if, you, if you're not familiar with free walking tours, they are one of our favorite activities to do in cities. Sandman's is a company that has them all over the major cities in Europe, I think even in North America and some other places as well. Those are awesome, right, Hath? And and they are they're free, but but sometimes you need to like make the reservation so they know how many tour guides to have on hand, right? Like that and if you have a good tour guide, I mean, the way the tour guides make money is if you have a good tour guide, you leave them a tip. So it's cool because we've had some awesome free walking tours where we've paid more than we would have paid if it was like a ticket ahead of time because we really like the guide. And then we've had some that aren't so great that we still give them a little bit of a tip. But it's nice to be able to determine what you're going to pay them based on the quality. Right. So for, for booking tours, it depends on what type of tour it is, but you can usually wait till you're there to book it. And a lot of times we have found that if you are booking tours that are paid, like we did one of the Colosseum, you know, a, a walk tour of the Colosseum we did with Walks of Italy. We did a food walking tour, oh, an eating walking tour. Oh, that was so tour fun in Florence. In Florence. Yep. 
you can usually add on again if it's high season maybe not but generally you can add on like the day of or before and when you're on the ground there you can usually get better deals rather than booking it ahead of time you know or at least the same deal so i wouldn't worry about booking tours too much ahead of time unless it's a crazy 10 day trek through here and you're going on safari in africa maybe that's something you might want to book ahead of time But speaking then of on-the-ground research, so we've talked about what you should do before you go and kind of our, I guess, workflow or or our flow of how we find out about places before we go and how much research we do. But really our favorite thing to do is the -the on-the-ground research when we're there. And we found that this is a really good way to get information. So now we're jumping from the pre-planning to actually planning why we're there. Yeah, I mean... as we said before that about two thirds of our days are usually unplanned, more of this free flowing vibe. And the reason we like that is because I guess maybe in this day and age of technology and research and being able to like Google anything like on your smartphone, we like the idea that you can just be an adventurer or be an actual explorer. So some days like maybe we'll, when we land, we'll do a little research, but our favorite thing to do is just get out and wander. Like we'll just you know, wander, walk through the streets, find a cafe, find a restaurant. Oh, maybe it wasn't rated, you know, as number one on TripAdvisor, but it's still like your own experience, which kind of makes it feel more special. And I have to force myself to do this because I am someone who loves, I love the internet (laughs) and I also love researching. I love getting advice from people. And that's one of the reasons we put the EPOP travel guides together is because you know, I like getting personal recommendations, but if we get to a place that someone hasn't recommended anything, you know, I will spend a lot of time online. Oh, I want to find the best cafe in Florence. Or I want to find the best sandwich in Florence, which is and Al Antico Vanel, boy, in case you're so wondering. Good. Oh my gosh. And, and so I have to kind of force myself, have to say like, get off the computer. I'll be doing this. We'll be sitting oh, yeah. in our apartment or our guest house <laughs> in Florence and I'll and be sitting there. two hours, like just like will not, uh, his eyes will not leave the computer screen or, or the iPhone. And I'm like, Travis, put that down. Let's go. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I'm saying I love doing on the ground research and I do, but I get it if you're someone who gets really into doing this research online and stuff. And I have to force myself like, dude, go outside, start walking around and ask a local where to go. It's true. And And when we do it, it's awesome. Right. And I know it's hard because you're you're on a vacation or you're on a trip and you want to have the best experiences or the best food or the best drink or the best coffee. And you You don't want to waste time, right? You don't want to waste time. A meal or waste your time or anything like that. You get really caught up in the whole research of the trip, but then you're spending your time researching and not doing. So it's best to just get out there and explore. Yeah. And we do ask locals a lot. And here are some of the people that we ask. And we say ask a local and you're probably thinking like, Like, well, well, who who do I ask? Do you just walk out on the street and ask people? Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But really, you know, so if we stay at a guest house or a hostel or or anything like that, you know, we'll ask the the guests, the people at the front desk, if we stay in apartments or Airbnb places, you know, ask the owners. They have given us awesome recommendations. That's one of the reasons why we love staying in apartments, because the owners, the hosts of the Airbnb or Go With O, whatever, are always so friendly and will give us so many cool local recommendations. It's so worth it. If someone lives there, they usually want you to have a great experience in their city. Same as like when people come to Philadelphia, we love telling them our favorite places to eat, our favorite donuts, our favorite cheesesteaks, our favorite hoagies, all that, because you want someone to have a good experience. You want to show off your city. So you got to remember- the pride of that being your hometown or whatever. Yeah, so you got to remember these people want you to have a good experience. So they're going to give you 
their best recommendations usually. So if you're staying somewhere, guest house, apartment, Airbnb, all that stuff, ask the people. Hotels you can too, although we found concierges at hotels. Yeah, sometimes they get like a, what do they call it? A th- not a throwback. A, a kickback. kickback. I find it's more <laughs> though that they are dealing with travelers who aren't as, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but they're not as authentic of travelers. So they're dealing with the people who come in for one day and want like a really nice one. Yeah. They're usually giving us upscale, you know, here are things. Michelin that, rated yeah, or something like whereas that. Whereas we want the kind of authentic, more hole in the wall or just local places. Um, so we asked those people, if you have a great walking tour, we will. if we have a good oh. walking tour guide, we will hit that person up at the end yep. of the tour for all information. Where yeah. do you go to drink? Where do you go to eat? Where You know that tour guide has the insider information that you want. So we definitely talked to them. And, you know, we talked to, if we're at a restaurant that we like, we'll ask, oh, is there a good bar around yeah. here or something like that? Because we generally find that people enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Owners of restaurants and bars or waiters there. We always ask them. Taxi drivers is another one. If you have a really good driver, ask them where they eat, not where should I eat. Ask them, where do you eat? And they're going to get, you know, usually they're eating at the local joints. Yep. Um, we ask other travelers, you know, if we meet people, hey, where'd you go? That's a great source of information. Another thing that we've started to use is social media. Now, maybe you don't have a lot of followers on Twitter. You don't have a blog. You know, I can put it out to our email list and I always get great recommendations from you guys. Hey, we're going to Florence. Where should we eat? But, you know, you can still put the, we found putting the hashtag in, you know, hashtag Florence. Where should I eat in hashtag Florence? Right. People will get back to you. Now, whether their recommendations are good or bad, you don't know because you don't really know them, but at least you have recommendations to go on. And then if we get those recommendations, we usually cross check them. Yeah, we kind of cross check them, use TripAdvisor or Yelp if that happens to be popular where you are. So So just ask ask locals, ask other people, get out there, do it, you know, spend some time researching ahead of time, but don't make sure you're not like me glued to the computer worrying that you have to have the best experience because then when we get out and do it, even if the restaurant's not good, if we found it ourselves, it's it's kind of special. And I think there's a beauty in this day and age of finding your own place that your you just own happen experience. to stumble upon. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So those are the things that we do. That's kind of our pre-trip planning. Just to give you guys a recap, you know, we talked about a lot of things here. Again, if you want the logistical part, listen to our podcast on our pre-travel checklist. That's everything of like what credit cards you should be carrying, health insurance, visas, blah, blah, blah. If you want to learn about all the fun stuff, that's kind of what we just did. Picking a destination, things to consider when they pick a destination. Right. You know, the cost of getting there, the weather, things like that. Yep. Make sure you know how cold Turkey is in January (laughs) and you don't pack all shorts. When you researching the destination ahead of time, we use WikiTravel. We Google Google. top the... I mean, it sounds so cliche, but that's why we do it. Google the top things to do in a country. We're going to be having our EPOP travel guides. We're going to be having our videos out there. Lonely Planet's Thorn Tree is a great form for getting in-depth advice than when they're planning an itinerary hat. Yep. Uh, you can plan it around an event. Maybe if you're taking a shorter trip, plan it out more. A longer trip, just go for it. Go for it. And our ratio, usually about one third of the days we have planned activities. We know what we're going to do about two thirds of the day. It's just wake up or the night before we went somewhere, like let's explore this area more. Just wandering. Really, that's we found it to be so awesome just to get out, wander. We always talk about riding bikes. So if you're oh, not in the city or in the city too, just yeah. get on a bike. A bicycle or, if, you know, you're in a country where there are scooters. It is 
the most fun way, I think, to really explore an area. And it just allows you to see more than walking. And it does depend on the country as well. You know, if you're in Europe, you might not have to plan as much. If you're in China, we recommend planning more. Southeast Asia, ah, the hippie vibe, like Heather said. Booking accommodations, at least book one day in advance. Most of you guys are going to do that anyway. Tours, we haven't felt like you need to really book in advance unless it's a crazy you know, you know, a long tour that you're going to be like hiking to Machu Picchu. Maybe you want to book ahead of time. It's going to be a four day thing, something like that. Yep. And then the last thing was our on the ground research, our favorite way to travel. Yeah. Ask locals. It just boils down to ask locals and get out and explore on your own. And so we hope, guys, that, that this really helped you out, that this gave you an idea of how we plan for our trips. Everyone's going to be different. We've traveled with the crazy organized planners. Sometimes that's awesome. I mean, you don't have to worry about a thing. They just say, we're going here, we're going here, we're going here, we're going here. We don't like to travel that way all the time, but sometimes it's nice. Yeah, I have to say that we've done so much traveling this year and we've basically planned out all of our own trips that sometimes I think, wow, you know, a cruise would be nice. Just like having it planned, being stopped off at the port, you know, things like that. There's no wrong way to travel, as Travis always says. There is no wrong way to travel, and you're going to figure out your own how much you should plan versus how much you should do on the ground. But I would urge you, if you are always super organized, even just give yourself a day that you don't plan anything and go try it out and see if you like it, because you're probably going to... It's going to be less stressful. Just go out and and wander around, and then there's going to be some people who are even more free-flowing and and loosey-goosey than we are. But we hope this helped you out. We're going to link up the stuff in the show notes, especially some of the podcasts we mentioned that we've done before. If you listen to this podcast, of course, you like listening to our podcast. That's all in the show notes. You can get the show notes for this episode and every other episode we've done, all 130-some. I can't remember the exact (laughs) number right now. Extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can check that out. Also, since we're only giving you one podcast this week, and we're going to be telling you next week in the new year what our plans are for the podcast going forward. We've got some cool stuff coming forward for you guys in 2015. We've already given you a little bit of a sneak peek. But if you're interested in some other episodes, Seth, we pulled out some of our favorite episodes that yeah. we've done that we've done that you might like as well. All right. And the one we've already mentioned in this podcast is episode 104, our pre-travel checklist. Yeah, we also did episode 74, our biggest travel mishap. So if you like the banter that me and Heather have, if you want to hear some of our funny stories, our listen, stupid mistakes, our ooh, accidents. That one is hilarious. We talk about the biggest mistakes we've made. Uh, has involved hospital visits and getting stuck in Embassies, countries, uh-huh. things like that. And then I'm going to give you one, a big time throwback. This is when I first started. I re-listened to it the other day. And, you know, I'm probably not as good a host. I've now done 126 more episodes. But episode four, I interviewed the person who was the reason I started a podcast because I wanted to get him on. It's one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. His name is Jason Lewis. He's a British explorer. And he did the craziest travel thing I've ever seen or heard about in my life. I'm not going to ruin it for you. He also has books out that he wrote about. I highly recommend the books. Maybe you've heard me mention them on the podcast. But if you want a really cool episode and a really cool travel story, check out episode four with Jason Lewis, his amazing Guinness Book of World Record feat that he did. Lastly, Heth, we got to thank again Tortuga for being the sponsor of this episode. Tortuga, bring everything you need without checking a bag. You can go to tortugabackpack.com, put in the discount code if you do decide to grab yourself a Tortuga of EPOP, E-P-O-P, 10% off all your purchases. A win-win-win for everyone involved. So thank you guys for tuning in today. Hope you had an awesome holidays if you're listening to this when it's released. 
Hope you have a great new year. Merry Christmas. Thank you for all the support. And until next week, happy happy free free travels. travels.